Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now, Flobo Voice, the mayor in the mayor's office. How's everyone doing? For most of the country, it's the dead of winter, but in Los Angeles, I just got an advisory on my smart devices that we're going to have a heat wave, 90 degrees this weekend. Oh my goodness me. It's kind of interesting about the idea of perception, right? One person's winter is another person's summer and being able to see those different perceptions is what makes you guys creatives, you know, as you always see things from a different perspective. So as I complain about how hot it's going to be, I'm sure you're probably all mad with me. NewAmsterdam.com is the website uh, at New Amsterdam on that Instagram and at New underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. Thank you so much for following the show and being a part of the movement. Just like, comment, share, tell a friend. And if you want to be in the show, hit me up personally at Flopa Voice on that Twitter as well. My guest on this episode uh, is a CEO of Amigos Internacionales, which is a humanitarian aid organization that's about 50 years, that's half a century, uh, being able to help out kids that are less fortunate and in need. So I was able to sit with the CEO today, Michael Ryer, who's doing things here, Central America, South America, and in Uganda, Africa. So that's pretty fun. Pretty fun to see how someone is tireless of their mission and how they execute. Now, a little bit of a trigger warning. Uh, this episode does handle or talk about uh, exploitation of children. Uh, so it may be a bit intense for some viewers, but it's okay. If not, you can check out all the other episodes uh, in the New Amsterdam Canon, and we'll see you back in the future episode of the show. Without any further ado, my chat with the CEO of Amigo Internacionales, Michael Ryer. Welcome back to New Amp Sam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Boys, in the mayor's office, talking with thinkers and doers who are getting it done. I'm being joined by Michael Ryer, the CEO of Amigos Internacionales. I practiced that name. Hope I did it right. Here with me today. How's it going, Michael? It's going (laughs) great. great. Thanks for having me on your show. (laughs) Well, thank you. In a word, when you are the CEO, a lot of the times the buck stops with you. Talk about what that means for an organization as dynamic as Amigos Internacionales. Well, we, we're a 54-year-old uh, nonprofit, which is really rare in the in the nonprofit world. And uh, we're in our second generation, and uh, I'm kind of the, the the guy. If it if it doesn't if it ends with me, uh, it's going to be it's a lot of kids are going to be hurting. So I've got a I got a lot of pressure to make this thing work. So it's going well. So let's take a step back. How exactly do you describe the organization? It's humanitarian aid, it's education. It's a little bit more than that. It's kind of some of its parts. Well, we actually are a humanitarian aid company. We started in 1967 building mobile medical and mobile dental clinics for the river uh, down in Texas. And that's why a lot of people, I guess the first question is, why does a company with the Hispanic name Amigos Internationalis work in Uganda and around the world? Mm-hmm. It's because we started uh, with those 11 medical clinics and 11 mobile dental clinics. And there's, most of them are still in existence. They're just not mobile anymore. They, they've actually grown to be a, a, uh, an existing site where we're still helping people along the valley there in Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah. And we've just well, expanded I- around the world. 
Fantastic. Let, can, I, can I ask you about that? The decision to make that sure. pivot, the decision to say, hey, look, we are doing we're doing good here. Let's do good over there as well. Was that like a, a board decision, a flash of inspiration, something in between? Uh, it, it's basically uh, as the need arose, we, we saw it happening. In, in fact, you may know of these 18 wheelers that feed all these thousands of people in humanity in disasters. You know, they'll feed 60,000 a day. The very first one of those was built by our founder in his backyard. He designed and built the very, very first one in 1973. Yeah. And in fact, he, he designed out, laid out the kitchen in the, in the 18 wheeler and said, that's, that's not right. And so he said, it's backwards. So he put the de design up on the window and yeah. redrew it. And he said, that's perfect. And so they did it. And that was yeah. the very first one. There's now over, there's like 10,000 in the United States serving people in disasters around the world so yeah and you continue to do that yeah that, yes that, we do that is interesting for a lot of reasons one of course help for your fellow man loving thy neighbor but also the, it, when you give a lot of times i speak to other guests on the show who are in that space you wonder if you can uh give continuously like how can you keep yourself like spirited to keep on giving and helping out the less fortunate anything you've learned in your years at amigos of how you be able to continuously give with your humanitarian aid projects Oh, it's, it's very easy. Uh, when when I, I go twice to three times a year to the different countries that we serve in, uh, mm -hmm. usually three times to Guatemala, where we do seven and a half million meals through USAID grants. And then I go a couple of times to Uganda. When you see those children, and you can go to our website, amigosii.org, and see the pictures of me with the kids or our, our board members, people that go with us. Uh, when you see those people with those kids and the I, we've got before and after uh, pictures of these kids in utter poverty. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the United States doesn't understand poverty uh, mm -hmm. and, until you, you go over there and you see the change in the lives of these kids. It's pretty well self-explanatory how you can be pumped up about helping people. really Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Uh this kind of a sensitive subject here, but let's let's pivot a bit. Uh, sure. I was was researching the the organization, uh, you know, amigos. You guys go out and help victims of of children sex trafficking, basically, yes. uh, minors who are exploited uh, for other for their for their bodies. Walk me through this. Yes. This is a very sensitive subject, and there's there's a lot of people that turn a blind eye to this. You obviously did not. What made you decide to go? this is something that we can put our resources behind that we can help send the tide. Well, it was a, a process by which we began sponsoring children in Uganda, uh, orphans, basically. Uh, many of them are what they're called orphan-led households. Their mm -hmm. moms and dad died of AIDS or from the war up in northern Uganda, uh, a lot of different areas. And then it progressed into this children's home that we, uh, that we began to adopt and, and take over. And uh, the first four girls uh, were literally 13 years old. They were the oldest girls in the families and they were being sold because the parents and mom couldn't afford to keep them. They were being sold to men in their thirties and forties to be their second and third wives at 13 years old. And we said, no, that, that can't happen. So our, our director of orphanage, Shamina actually grabbed those girls and said, no, you, you come live with us. And we put them in the home. And from there, it just began to expand to where we've got 28 children now in this home in Jinja, which is just outside of the major city of Kampala. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our young men, it's not just girls. A lot of people think it's just girls. 
right. uh, was a mother, was a son of a prostitute that, that sold herself in a bar. He was the oldest boy. Mom was kicking him out at 13 years old and he didn't have any way to make a living. So he was on his way to the bar that his mother worked at to sell himself to men to be able to make a living. And she also found him and said, no, you're not doing that. And now Robert is a part of our orphanage, our children's home. I don't, I don't like calling them orphanages. Absolutely. They're children's homes. We put them in safe. Uh, they're secure. There's security guards on present. Uh, they have family units. They're just the greatest kids in the world. We've, we feed them. We educate them. We clothe them. Uh, it, it, it's just a wonderful way of giving them new hope and a new life. And, uh, one of our oldest girls is going to be a journalist and we're already preparing oh, her in, in that uh, she's 17 years old now and she's yeah. beginning to do journalism things for us and telling the story of those kids so that we can tell the story to the rest of the, the rest of the world. If you, if so. you can, and I'll make sure that the safety of, of your clients are of utmost importance. How do you extract the child out of a situation? Do you say to the person who's selling them, do you find the authorities that have them locked away? Do you somehow uh, intercept the delivery? What does that look like on the ground floor? Well, oh, that's a good question. In the past, we have, as we found kids, we've, we've gone out and said, hey, you don't want to do this. You, would you like to? Uh, we actually, our Uganda, Southern Ugandan uh, representative uh, found a little girl that was selling herself and, and we were beginning the process of buying our new land. And uh, he went to talk to her and, and said, you know, this is something that you don't want to do. And she said no. And he went to begin that process of rescuing her. And on the second visit, her uh, pimp, I guess for the better word, Mm -hmm. uh, followed her and tried to beat our, our representative up because, mm -hmm. uh, and we had told him not to do that. I said, you, you wait, we'll get authorities. Uh, we get authorities to go in and, and, and arrest the John, I mean the, the pimp and pull these kids out. But he went in and tried it and, and really almost got himself in trouble. And I asked him, I said, Mo his name's Moses. I said, mm -hmm. Moses, why did you do this? I mean, why, after we told you not, you know, to wait on those people and you know what he told me? He What's said that? it was the te he said it was the tears of the girls when I first told her that I could rescue her m compelled me to go in and try to get her. So oh, wow. I made the commitment on this new site when she'll be our first girl. We're going to get the authorities when we get our license and we're get on our new site. We're she's going to be the first girl that we go and rescue. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we're committed to that. Describe to me the 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 atmosphere, the life in a children's home. I, I know you don't like the word orphanages, so I, I understand that has its own connotations and stigma. What's that been like trying to really foster a positive environment for these children you rescue? Oh, these these kids are exciting. We've gone in and, and you can see pictures on our website. Uh, we try every month to give them and these are orphans. They have they have nothing. Uh, we had a donor that gave three hundred dollars to us. Uh, and we took them on during December to a local. Uh, now we're in the equator, so there's not really a season. So uh, right. every month, every month we uh, we do something special for them. So we took them to a local local hotel, and we gave them an afternoon of swimming, and and a chicken dinner and and actual sodas. I mean that was a treat for them to get a soda. And we've right. got pictures of our children drinking Mountain Dews and Diet Cokes and those kind of things, and they're just excited. Uh, yeah. We did a Christmas party where we bought Christmas presents for them all and even brought a Santa in. Now, 
he was uh, he, he was the size of a bean pole. He wasn't our typical Santa Claus, <laughs> right. but he was in the Santa outfit and and the kids danced. Uh, we have bought them uh, their traditional dance outfits so that they can practice their traditional dances. And uh, it, it's just exciting. They are just excited to be in the world and be be a part of what we're doing. And you have plenty of projects down the pipeline for your uh, Ugandan. Can I say mission or outpost? What's the best uh, way to describe this? Your division in Uganda. What's in, what's on the horizon for Amigos? Well, uh, we we have we've just purchased two acres of land about uh, mm -hmm. about a quarter of a mile from our present site, which is much much too small for what we need to do. Sure. Uh, we have our architects, which uh, uh, they're working on a complete site plan. We're going to have a home. We're going to have school. Uh, we're actually going to put in a satellite system so that we can do schooling from uh, volunteers in the United States. And uh, we even have some teachers from Oxford and Cambridge that have volunteered to help teach our kids. Uh, and uh, we, we'll have an amphitheater so that we can do a, a, a time of devotion. I, I don't know if you want to call it a worship service, but a time where they can go and be a lot, uh, alone uh, with mm -hmm. themselves. And, and uh, we have a visitor's home. We'll have a soccer field. We'll have a, we're actually going to put in a play play, uh, a splash park for these right. kids every day to spend an hour in the splash park. We've, Water's not readily available. We've already drilled a well on the site and uh, we've got a uh, 2000, we've, we've worked it out to where there's a 2000 gallon tank, much like a swimming pool that will recirculate the water and treat it for with chlorine and all. And the mm -hmm. kids every day can go in and have a, an hour on the splash park and play. So we're going to try to make it a, a, a Disneyland experience in the middle of, of horrible, treacherous experiences. So pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, pretty exciting. What's been some of the challenges? You know, you you are uh, trying to make this happen. Or we know that visions. We understand that that's a big motivator. But sometimes life gets in our way, throws a proverbial wrench in there. What's been some of the things you have to overcome and and on the path to making this Disneyland happen? Well, uh, as anybody will say, probably COVID has been one of the things. Uh, Uganda took it very very serious, and they locked down the schools. So the kids didn't get to go to school. So we had to come up with some educational projects while they were uh, not in school. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, government agencies that we needed uh, projects, we needed uh, plans to be approved. We needed uh, certificates and things and the government agencies weren't working very cooperatively. So it's taken us a little longer than we wanted to, but we are now that everything is open and everything's moving forward, our, our architects are working for construction drawings. We've got our security fence uh, around the kids. Actually, the, the Sunday uh, before they went to school, went out and we bought vines and flowering plants and yeah. they went out to their site and uh, they planted vines so that as we build, there will be beautiful plants and flowers and things along with the, the normal fruit trees and things that we're going to have. We're yeah. also going to have goats. We're going to have chickens and we're going to have bees for honey. And, and the kids are not going to, it's not going to be just a, a place where they go and sit and play video games like you might think here they're actually going to yeah. be a working they're going to contribute to their home uh there will be jobs for them to do to, to you know go get the eggs for the for the kitchen and and feed the chickens feed the goats and, and those kind of things and, and that project to take care of so that they'll learn responsibility as well 
if I could ask you a bold question, uh, we are only human beings, and and I, I I love the fact that you're trying to stem the tide of of child trafficking and giving these kids a happy ending. But it has to be some days where you sit back in your chair and take off the glasses and go, I can't do this tomorrow. This is this is heavy stuff. I mean, how do you take that, internalize that, compartmentalize that, and persevere to get up the next day to work on it some more? I, it is. It, it sometimes can be overwhelming, but I, I take the mm -hmm. approach of the the story. I, I love stories. The mm -hmm. young man on the beach that was uh, where there were thousands of sea uh, starship starfish on the on the beach. He was mm -hmm. picking them up and throwing them in, and a guy came up to him and said, "Why are you doing this?" He said, "There's thousands here. What is it? It doesn't make a difference." And he picked one up and threw it in. He said, "It made a difference for that one." And yes. I know that the challenge ahead of us is so great. But every child we save, and we've got plans to expand into Guatemala, Peru, mm -hmm. uh, the Congo. Uh, we have a site now with uh, that we've just uh, been given. If we'll put a church and a school and uh, an orphanage up in near South Sudan, which is some of the most dangerous territory in the world, and we're going to be putting a, a site there. So, yeah, one by one, one child at a time, it makes a difference. And if you look at it in that way, it's not as overwhelming. As, mm. as, as if you look at the whole project as, as what we want to do. And so each each child makes a difference. And how do you determine your expansion plans? Is it kind of like based on, on people have reached out to you? Do you have a board meeting to determine? Like what's the strategy behind that? You know, we have a board, very, very active board. And, and we're, we meet, uh, we're actually on Facebook and, and on uh, Messenger together all the time. And they, they love to hear the stories of what's going on. And we meet, and, and it's basically opportunities. We have a school in Ogle Village that we're we have 111 children now enrolled in it. Uh, preschool mm -hmm. preschool is in Uganda. It's first, second, third grade is preschool. It's kind of like elementary school, and uh, because we've been so successful there, there is a uh, a place in uh, near South Sudan. I'm talking about called Lamlo that mm -hmm. doesn't have a church or a school or water well. And a tribe came to us and said, we'll give you 15 acres of land if you will commit to doing that and replicating this in Ogle Village up in Lamlo. And we made that commitment and we signed the papers on the first two acres of land. This month, uh, we had a donor that gave $5,000 and they're gonna, we're going to drill a water well because these yeah. people don't have water there. The average African woman will, dry, will walk four miles a day carrying 40 pounds of water just to have water for their family. So the first thing we do is we drill a water well and we put a water well on that site to give them, give them clean, fresh water to drink. And then we begin the process of the school and, and the orphanage and the, and the church. And so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, sure is. Uh, the Open Hands Academy, I assume, is the name of the school? Yes, that's, that's, that's the school. That yeah. school was, uh, was named after my parents because my mother loved it. She was a part of the sponsorship program. She loved that. And when we were negotiating the land there in Gulu, uh, she was actually dying of cancer. And I was sitting in the hospital with her overnight when we were negotiating. And she wanted me to tell her the story and show her the pictures over and over and over. And she passed away uh, mm -hmm. the day before we closed on the land. So the board asked me if they'd be okay to name that school. Uh, Betty and Ed Ryer Open Hands Academy after them because she loved the love for, for that. And so, yeah, that that's the school. We have 111 children in there right now, hopefully going to raise it to about 140 kids yeah. uh, with our first phase. We've got three more, two more phases to go with that. So, 
Yeah, Could you speak on, on the approach to education at the Open Hands Academy? How is your school unique in that way? Well, it is uh, it is unique in that we are trying to have – most schools will have 50, 60, 70 kids, literally 70 kids in a in a, a classroom. We're trying to keep our, our – uh, it costs us a little more to keep our, our enrollment lower, but we are uh, keeping the enrollment smaller so that the, the, the teacher – and we're increasing our teacher enrollment, you know, the number of teachers we have. Yeah. Uh, we purchased this school uh, in the middle of COVID. It had uh, – the building had dirt floors, no windows, no doors, uh, no water. Uh, we have since put $125,000 in the building during COVID. We hmm. have running water. We have uh, electricity in the building. We have uh, uh, floors. We have a veranda. We've got windows and doors. And we actually built a latrine. And and hopefully by the end of this quarter, we will have flushing toilets there. And the kids have never seen flushing toilets. We're going to have to teach them how to use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we're trying to give them an experience of of uh, of uh, uh, a good, solid education, along with some of those comforts that we as Americans uh, uh, take for take take advantage of, and, and don't they don't have a, a a cause at all. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I realized uh, being an American is that we we got it pretty good out here in the good old USFA. It is. It is. <laughs> Uh, so what does the next year and a half, two years look like? I know you're building up the projects. Uh, you may think about expansion, but it's on a growth level. I mean, Amigos International is doing so much, so much well in the community. What's next for that? Well, how do you get people on board? How can anyone interact with your company if they want to, I don't know, provide some services or be able to link up with you further down the line? One of the things that we do, and it's been very successful, is that we actually sponsor children. And uh, we've got a page uh, at amigosii.org sponsor, uh, called Sponsorship, where you can go in and, and sponsor one of the children. And what's unique about us is that uh, you will actually get a social media post from your child. You will be one person to one child. You'll actually kind of adopt that child. We have a board member that has uh, a little girl named Prisca. And her desire, he's been with her for two years. Her desire is to be a nurse. And last year, he actually, this board member and his wife went to Uganda with us, met Prisca, hugged her, just loved on her all he wanted to love on her and made the commitment to her. He said, if you want to be a nurse and you do well in school, I will commit to putting you through nursing school if you will come back and be a nurse to your people. Yeah. So uh, we've got videos uh, on our YouTube channel that you can you can access if you go to Amigos II on YouTube mm -hmm. and you can see where our children literally will come into you and say, Flobo, thank you for uh, adopting me, uh, sponsoring me. I said, I'm doing real good in school. Uh, I, you know, you're, you're paying for my, my clothes and my school. And I, I just want you to know, I appreciate that. And uh, nobody that I know of at this point actually does videos like that to where you can actually see that. That was one of the things that really attracted my mom and got her hooked on the sponsorship, which ended up with the school. And uh, we've got uh, we've got great videos of kids that just, in fact, we've got one one couple that is adopting a girl, and she sends money periodically for extra things, candy and stuff. She recently yeah. reached out to us and said, I, I feel bad because she's got other children in the home because uh, she's an orphan-led family. So there's younger children there. She said, can I have the names of those people, those kids so I can send money to them too, so they can have it as well. 
And we have a church that has all those children in our sponsorship program in our, in our children's home. They they're doing pen pals with these kids in Uganda so that Mm -hmm. you can write to these kids, email these kids back and forth. And uh, you can actually reach out and touch them and make a difference in your world. Cause that's, that's the whole point is, is making a difference in a child's life. Amigos, I, I on YouTube and on the Instagram page, I'm actually looking at the page. Now you get some of the, the success stories and just pictures on the ground, uh, sort of speak of what's happening there. So once again, it's uh, Amigos, I, I, you know, when you have situations affecting people, uh, outside of your neighborhood, across the world, it's very easy to turn a blind eye. But if someone's listening right now and they want to get more active and they want to help and they want to assist, how do they go about doing that there? It's pretty easy. Uh, we try to make it easy. They can go to amigosii.org. They can email me at michael at amigosii.org. Uh, you can search for Amigos Internationalis, which is, like I said, it's kind of weird to have a Spanish name for a, a, a group in Uganda, but we are reaching out in, in Guatemala with seven and a half million meals. We're also doing that in, going to start in Peru this next year for another seven and a half million meals, I believe. Uh, but you can just search for us on the web. There's places to donate. There's, uh, we actually have a trip coming up in the summer. I've got a couple of board members going to go with us and, and put their hands on these, you know, love on these kids and see what we're doing. And it's actually the opportunity. Uh, for example, the donor that, that wanted to do something special. So he took the kids out swimming. We're going to take the kids to the zoo and, and, you know, they, people are always saying, Hey, can I do something special for the kids? What, what, what's planned this month? And they literally sponsor that trip. So they get to see, and, and we send videos. It, it's uh, we've got sponsors, uh, donors that say, uh, and how, how, why they give to Amigos. And it's because they actually see uh, money going to where it is. Now, the special thing about Amigos is that our, my, we, we have mainly volunteers. This is my first year actually as a paid, paid uh, employee where everybody else is volunteer. And my, salary is totally separate it's it's given so every dollar that you give to amigos goes straight to those kids we take nothing out for administrative fees so um it's there's not a 10 percent. there's not a 15 percent. every dime you give goes toward helping those children and that's rather unusual for in the nonprofit world one of the cool things about nonprofits uh, with transparency that makes you like, get a little bit of a peace of mind, rest assured that your dollar is going to help those that are great in need. Uh, man, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. Before we get out of here, sure. though, do you have any uh, final thoughts or things you wanted to share with those listening right now? Oh, just that, uh, that they can they can make a difference. You know, it, it you can do a little bit or a lot. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the whole point is to do something. I, I end it with the, the fact that they've always said you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can never count the apples in a seed. And I'm looking for just that one seed, that one child that will go in and make a difference in Uganda and in the world. And you never know who that may be. And I believe he's one of those kids is going to come from our group. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.